You're listening to Salty Believer Unscripted. You're listening to Salty Believer Unscripted. I'm Josiah Walker. I'm Brian Catherman. I'm Robbie Shorn. Yeah, you're back with us, Robbie. Woo! Welcome back, Robbie. <coughs> Which you're going to be gone. Yes. Sorry, Josiah. No, I jumped please. in. You're no, heading to pause. India for like weeks, right? Yeah, weeks. weeks. Yay, going to... Going to do the adoption thing. Anyway, okay, back to you, Josiah. Sorry. Sweet. So today, we're going to be continuing our series on mission foundations. Uh, we talked last time about uh, what faithfulness. was the topic? Faithfulness. faithfulness. Yeah, and the, the, the parable of the sower and scattering the seeds. And today, we're talking about prayer. So, of course, we're going to be looking at the parable of the Lord's Prayer, right? Uh, No. Oh. Psalm 106, man. Psalm Once again, mixing it up again. So today, we're looking at <laughs> Psalm 106, verse 23. Which, let me give some context. If I may, I'm just going to jump in. If you guys would be okay if I just jump into this. Here's the context. Uh, so this whole psalm, for the most part, is about how the people of Israel screwed up over and over and over again. So that's their worship music, hmm. right? We, do right. we have songs like that, Robbie, on our worship? <laughs> Let's uh, sing a song about how many times we keep screwing up. Kind of, but not right now. So, and, and it starts with like, oh yeah, hallelujah, thanks, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. We sing a song that goes, like there's there's worship songs that say this, right? Hmm. Give praise to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever. I think it's in the 90s, isn't it? Hmm. Yep. In any case, who can declare? Look how good he is. Let's remember the Lord. And then it just goes into, it goes into moment after moment after moment. We did this, and then he... You know, he saved him, but then they didn't uh, They didn't follow him. And then he did this, and they didn't do that right. And then he gave him instructions. They didn't do this right. And they were out in the wilderness, and they didn't do this right. And it's, oh, look look how faithful the Lord is, and look how much these people just keep mm. messing up, which I think is the point. We keep messing up. The Lord is continually faithful, faithful, and it's going and going and going. And then, bam, it gets to verse 23 in this great uh, song of the unfaithfulness of people and the wonderful faithfulness of the Lord. And it says this. Uh, so he, God, so he would have destroyed them if Moses, his chosen one, had not stood before him in the breach to turn away his to turn his wrath away from destroying them. It's powerful. And then it picks up for another twenty something more verses on how they kept messing up. Hmm. All right. So what would have happened in the mess up? How did how did you understand that that verse, Josiah? What would have happened if they kept messing up and Moses wasn't there? This sounds like kind of a Noah's Ark situation where God would have just started over with Moses and just destroyed everybody. Yeah, well, if Moses wasn't there, like, they would have been destroyed. Yeah. So before we go Game any over. further, I don't want to go any further in this before without saying this is a type or a picture of Jesus Christ hmm. for us. Hmm. So if not for Jesus, Robbie, hmm. what would happen to you in all your continual mess-ups? I'd, I'd be hopeless. I'd be destroyed. I'd be destroyed. Yeah. yeah so this, we, yeah. this psalm is a good psalm for us. Yeah. God is so faithful. And uh, in fact, let me go ahead and just give you my list of mess ups and show you how faithful I am. And God would have destroyed me had not Jesus hmm. stood in the breach for me in the gap for me. Hmm. So praise the Lord for Jesus. But here's the deal with this. Um, Moses was still a man. Hmm. Moses right. is talking with God. And he, in this case, is pleading for the people. And if we go back in the actual events of Moses, he would continue to remind God, this doesn't bring you glory, God. Hmm. You saving them brings you glory. So you can't just bring him out here and kill him because that won't bring you glory. The, the nations around will say, oh, look, see how that went down. Hmm. Same thing for our salvation. Our hmm. salvation brings God glory. But the part that really blows my mind is that Moses, a mere man, no different than us, is talking to God 
on behalf of those people hmm. who, by the way, made his life so miserable. Hmm. Right. Yeah, he's still saying, no, 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 God, for your glory, hmm. to praise you, do this for those people, which I take as a really good reminder hmm. for us to do the same. Now, we can't stand in the gap like Jesus did. Hmm. We're not you know, going to die for their sins. No. Jesus already took care of that, right? But, but it had to be hard. I can't imagine if I had a group of people that were a thorn in my flesh, just aggravate me like I hated dealing with them every day, that I'd go, no, God, please save them. Like, right. Biggest okay. mega church ever that's super <laughs> rebellious, and you don't have that much help, and even when he puts the help up, you know, I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's, he's standing in the gap. How do we stand in the gap for those who don't know Jesus? You got a thought on that, either one of you guys? It's a pretty obvious Sunday school answer. Go ahead, Rob. Outside of uh, prayer. Prayer. Oh, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Gold star, right? Yes, yeah. which is why I think it's so important for our mission work. I heard it once said, um, uh, we've got to talk to people. No, excuse me. We've got to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. That's great. And so you're like saying, hey, God, this person, and prepare mm-hmm. their hearts, and, and you do this work, and I'm going to stand in the breach for these lost people. We don't, we don't do that very well. Hmm. We put it us or them, you know, and hmm. then we don't pray for the thems, and we get all cranky about it, right? Um, so why is the prayer so important? Why is that what we use to stand in the gap for people? I'm going to put it this way in mission work. Well, first of all, I think we need to have a heart where we're pleading on behalf of their souls. Hmm. Um, at one point, Moses said, you know, don't write, he said, write their names in the, the Lamb's Book of Life, and, and if you don't, take my name out. Hmm. Yeah. He's so passionate for he's passionate for their salvation. I think following suit, if we're not willing to even start praying for people right. before we do the mission work, what do we think we're doing when we do the mission work? That's hmm. just under our strength, our effort. If we're saying, no, God, you got to do this work, and you got to that that changes and conforms our heart to the people we're doing mission work toward, and it puts us in a more humble, submitted place to recognize that God does this work, not us. Right. But but we could be doing the work. You know, I got to say it all the time, I'm sure. Do either of you guys have the Chambers quote memorized at this point? Yeah, uh, Oswald Chambers says, uh, prayer doesn't equip us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Right. I think yeah. he uses the word fit, but or yeah. Or fit, fit, yeah. Yeah, he does, but that's the same meaning. Yeah. He doesn't fit us yeah. for the greater work. Yeah. So prayer is the greater work. And so I think if you're going to do mission work, you start with that because it's the, I mean, it's the greater work it does what we can't do well i'd like to think that prayer changes us right like if moses was standing there praying for those people hopefully it changed his heart for those people he had compassion on those people because it aligned his heart and his desires with him and their needs yeah because could you imagine i just stood before god and i asked god to to save all of you failures and then he goes down the hill and says you guys are a bunch of nincompoops man i sure messed up i hope that wouldn't have been his heart right right that's awesome um so maybe let's get into some practicals. Uh, so we had a mission team here. Um, what is it, so Josiah, what is it that we um, do as a big part of our mission? I think it'd be helpful if you shared a little bit about a redeeming life. You know, um, we're going out. What right. are we doing when we go out? 
You know, the biggest thing we do is, you know, we, we try to pray for our community. We try to pray for our neighborhood and, and, and pray for those where we work, where we live, and where we play. And, you know, we had a mission team this week go out and hang door hangers. And people have lots of different door hangers they do, right? Like, come to Easter, come to this, come to that, you know, come to our VBS. But we just hang a simple door hanger that says, hey, we're praying for you. And, and are we? Are they praying for you? And, and we legitimately pray for these people. I actually saw a ring doorbell video get posted on Facebook this week because the person couldn't figure out what they were doing. He must have had like a no soliciting <laughs> sign so they didn't leave a notice saying we prayed for this house. But we tell them to stop and pray for every house. Don't just like hang all the door hangers. I mean, mm-hmm. we could hang 300 door hangers in 30 minutes. It takes a lot longer when you stop and actually pray for each house. Yeah. And uh, I think that is the work, like you said, uh, that's the work that happens because these people end up putting that door hanger on their refrigerator for like a year or, or you know, sticking it in the glove box. And then they come and we see these people later. And I think, well, man, if that was just an Easter invite, it'd probably just get thrown in the trash. Hmm. But I think when you say, I'm praying for you and you actually pray, I think that causes a change in that person's life. Yeah, and I think the prayer is doing some kind of work right. that we can't. Hmm. Exactly. You can't see. You know, I love that sometimes we'll knock on doors when the weather's warmer and say, hey, we're out in the community praying for you. How can we pray for you? And we literally pray with our neighbors on the yeah. spot, yeah. right then and there. I think that's just a, um, a valuable valuable thing um i'm gonna ask you guys this what uh either one of you guys what tends to be your hindrance from your prayers what what keeps you from being more mindful about praying missionally i mean i don't think too many people are hindered on lord i really want the promotion at work lord i'm running late please let me have every green light lord i need this i need that okay we that we go to that fast Mm -hmm. what kind of keeps you from like really praying for your neighbor by name or the barista you just talked to or actually asking somebody you know that you see hey how can i pray for you mm-hmm. and then pray for them there on the spot or what keeps you from doing that mm-hmm. what are the temptations truthfully i don't know if it's a temptation as much as like uh a lot of the time it could feel like well lord am i right with you right now you know like, oh yeah. yeah like to where it's like more of a me situation and therefore i got to get me right before i can actually pray for someone else that's a that's a pretty good one I'm just worried they're going to look at me weird. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, oh, you, so more like, I don't want to be the weird guy. Right. Mm. Yeah. I, I often feel, for me, it sometimes I feel like it's time. Well, I'm running behind or I don't have time for this. Mm. Which, uh, man, I, I don't even know. I've heard so much stuff about this. I don't know if it's truly attributed to Luther correctly. It might be made up. But there's a story that says Luther's getting his hair cut. And... Uh, and the barber says, man, you do so much stuff. How do you have time for all this? And Luther says, well, on normal days, I pray for two hours. But when I know I'm going to have an extra busy day, I pray for three. Okay. Whoa. Too busy not to pray. <laughs> Too busy not to pray. I have a hard time praying for my neighbors and stuff because I don't know all my neighbors. I mean, they don't make phone books anymore. I can't just well, pray for them all by name. Maybe you need to start by praying, Lord, help me meet my neighbor. Yeah. I mean, that might. Speaking of phone books, uh, so we're talking about mission and prayer. Uh, I think I'm going to try to give credit where this comes from. I think this was Vance Pittman uh, did this. And I think Dave Early, when he planted in Las Vegas, might have followed the same pattern. But Vance Pittman planted a church in Las Vegas like, what, 20 years ago or something? Something like that, yeah. And uh, for the first month, their whole core team took the phone book, went up on the hillsides of Vegas, opened the phone book, and just went through every single name and every single person in the phone book Hmm. for a month, Hmm. praying over the whole city, just praying for them by name, through the phone book. And then uh, I think Dave Early might have done something similar, but the phone books weren't as prevalent. Right. Uh, so we followed that same model, and we had, uh, there was a way that you could get like just city records of all the ownership. Actually, speaking of, I think there's some apps, you know, Pray for Every Home or whatever it's called sure. now. I don't, it's called something else. Uh, 
The Hunt Onyx app. This is so dumb. I can't believe I'm giving a, a, a <laughs> shout out to a hunting app. But I use this hunting app. And the goal of the hunting app is to help you see where the, the boundaries are and where the property lines are. And it gives you all the private property owners' names. Right. Well, when you use that out in the farm country, mm-hmm. and you're out by some farm, you go ask the farmer, hey, can I hunt pheasants on your property? But then one day I just clicked like the where am I at, but I was home. I'm like, oh my goodness. I can see all the county, like whatever. Wow. The, like there's me and there's my neighbor and I know these some of them. So that gave me some of my neighbor's names. And oh. I started, started praying for them. If my neighbors right. are listening, they're like, you, but it's public record. Sure. But I'm praying for my neighbors that I haven't met yet by name that I might be able to meet. And then, so anyway, we had these lists generated for us when we were first planting. They had just thousands of names, thousands and thousands of property owners. So it might not necessarily be the person renting, but at least we had something to go by. Hmm. And we would just say, please pray for 10 or 15 of these every day until we get through the whole list checked off. And we had partners, church partners from all around the country praying. Uh, We didn't give them the addresses, the phone numbers. We just had the list of names. Just pray for these people Hmm. by name. We're going to stand in the breach like Moses Hmm. and pray for them by name. Because how many people have people praying for them by name? Right. You know know the Who's Your One campaign? Sure. How does that work? That's a great campaign. You know, Who's Your One? um, That's a great campaign that just basically challenges us that we all know somebody. We all at least know one person who isn't saved, who mm-hmm. needs the gospel. And it's an encouragement to just pray for that person regularly. And I, we laugh here because we're kind of in a mission field where less than 2% of you know our community is Christian. So we, we don't really have a Hoosier One. We have a Hoosier 1000. Right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like but but it's an encouragement to just like, I can at least pray for one person, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, And I think it's important too. A lot of times we bash on our government leaders. We get upset with the way the government's being ran or the high guy, gas prices and stuff. But I'm amazed at how much a difference it can make to pray for your mayor or your police chief or the fire chief or, you know, the city councilman. I actually got a notice from one of the leaders in our city this week. We got an email back saying, hey, thank you, because we had prayed for him and sent him a card saying, hey, we're praying for you. Hmm. And he just said how much that meant to him and how prayer like that and people that care about the community just mean a lot to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, it does help when you're doing mission work because you're you're appealing that God is doing the transformative work. Hmm. And you're showing them that you, it's not you, mm-hmm. that you're standing like a, you know, in the breach or like a priest between man and God and saying, I'm going to try to appeal to God on your behalf. Hmm. That's really a, that's a pretty nice thing. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, there are people that probably don't like that, but, but that, what, I mean, what else would you do missionally? Well, I'm going to come dig a well, and I'm going to leave, and you have water. Hey, that's a great thing, too. Sure. But I'm also going to ask that God would abundantly bless you, change your life, save you for all eternity, do all this work in you. Like, how much better is that than the well you just dug? Yeah. And this is all great on paper, but sometimes I feel like I just get distracted, or I don't know where to start, or, or maybe I forget the names of people. Like, you kind of have a tool and a resource that you use, right, to kind of help you keep going. Yeah, and I'm going to try to credit this where I first did this. This comes from a book called uh, Concentric Circles of Concern, Seven, Seven Stages for Making Disciples, by uh, revised and updated by Claude V. King. Um, and it's by Oscar Thompson. And it went out of print for a while, and this King guy found it at like some used bookstore. I was like, this is amazing. We need to bring this back. Uh, basically, it's kind of a mission strategy evangelism type book. But the... The part I love, and when you get to the section on prayer, so the mission strategy is one, get yourself right, two, survey the community, three, pray, four, build bridges, five, show love, six, make disciples, and then begin again. When he gets to pray, 
or he wants to survey and pray, those two go together, he has these circles and they start really small. The first one, I got the picture here for you. I mean, nobody can see that I was listening, but the first one is self. Mm-hmm. And that's what you talked about, Robbie. Mm-hmm. Like, are we right? Get right, get yourself right, and you know, make sure you're saved. And then it goes to like your family, your, your immediate family. Who in my family is far from Jesus? Right. If there's somebody that's far from Jesus, you write their name on your list. Hmm. And then uh, then you go to the next circle, and it's, he's got relatives here. So, okay, who's my extended family? And then you go to your friends. And then I would say you could go to your coworkers, and you could go to your neighbors, and then you could go to the other associates that you do business with and right. people you work with. And then you could go to other acquaintances that you might know from hmm. going to the coffee shop. And then eventually you end up with like person X, stranger. Sure. Right, you know, mm-hmm. and the idea here is that becomes your relational mission field that you're praying for. Mm-hmm. So I did this in seminary, like 2009, 2010. We read this book in my evangelism class, and we were tasked with going through our life and making these lists. And my list was pretty good size, but I've just kept doing it. I mean, I could pull my prayer journal, and you have a list of all these people. I was counting; it's got pages and pages and pages over the last, you know, twelve. 13 years or whatever that is um, as I just keep adding to it hmm. as I learn new names their names sometimes I don't know the last names there's a blank line where the last name goes I usually put a little note kind of on how do I know this person mm-hmm. you know Starbucks guy visitor that we ran right. into neighbor church neighbor I've actually got some of the, tr- the neighbors around us around the church building that I'm praying so hmm. now I have this huge list of names which I mean that's 600 people that's now I'm praying for them I might not ever see some of them again I might, but then when they get saved, it's really fun when you get across that list off. It's right. just helpful for me to know. I pray for, a, you know, I prayed for about 15 of them this morning. Awesome. Uh, yesterday, I got a late start, and I didn't. <laughs> but, hey, I'm trying to keep up on that, right? Oh, yeah. And so I just kind of roll through my list. And it's amazing to think I might not see any of them this side of eternity, but I might see some of them in heaven. Hmm. Yeah. And part of their story is somebody was praying for me by name. Right that God would intervene in my life and save me. Hmm. For sure. So That's amazing. And at the end of the day, I mean, that's the key. This is the prayer is the work. Hmm. You know, we can scatter the seeds, we can share the gospel, but if we're not praying for people, we're, we're missing out. So I hope this was helpful and beneficial for you. As always, go to saltybeliever.com. Lots of resources on there. You can even find a video on there on how to kind of put a little prayer book together. Hey, and be praying for Robbie going yeah, to India, yeah. man. That's, that's all. Maybe you'll have a lot we're of excited. opportunities to share the gospel while you're going to adopt your son. You know, we were, we were talking in, uh, to the mission team yesterday, and I was kind of thinking about that and zoning out for a minute. Sorry, Brian. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as we were talking to I was thinking, I was like, huh, I've not at once thought about praying for the opportunity to even share the gospel to the judge. So, right. <laughs> yeah, know. already uh, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, or all so, the people on the plane. Or yeah, all the people at the goodness. restaurants. I mean, yeah. You're going to be there for like... Uh, three weeks or four weeks, like there's a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, You're gonna be on the plane for 16 hours. There's a lot of people on there you can 20, talk. To. 27. I think it's like 20. Yeah, like 27 hours. Yeah, there better. Hey, the guy yeah. next to you for 27 hours. Lucky him. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. Well, there you have yep. it. At the end of the day, we all have somebody we can be praying for. Who are you gonna pray for right now? Until next time. Thank you for listening. Find more information at saltybeliever.com.